Ava Hartling. Welcome to the Brand is Female podcast. Every week, I speak with women changemakers and founders who are redefining the rules of female leadership. This season of our podcast is brought to you by TD Women in Enterprise. TD helps women in business achieve success and growth through their educational workshops, financing, and mentorship. Visit thebrandysfemale.com slash podcast and follow the link to find out how TD can help. This episode of The Brand is Female is brought to you by the University of Toronto and Rotman School of Management's one-year executive MBA program. In only 13 months, you can earn your MBA outside of regular working hours, which means you can keep succeeding in the workplace while directly applying your new skills for immediate impact. With more people coming back to the office, now's a great time to stand out at your place of work with impressive business acumen, leadership, and strategic skills. The Rotman School is committed to gender equity and is supportive in their aim to elevate female leaders. You won't be on your own. Executive MBA participants benefit from Rotman's excellent reputation, top faculty, and a strong network for life. They also get best-in-class leadership development and career services, including career support after graduation. Apply now to start in fall 2022 for your chance to be selected for a generous merit-based entrance award. Visit the website to find out about the program and sign up for a webinar to learn more. Visit www.rotmanemba.com. That's R-O-T-M-A-N-E-M-B-A.com. This week, my guest is Shauna Levy, the founder and CEO of Magin Mercer Modern Apothecary, the first premium wellness brand within a cannabis space designed for women aged 40 and older. Prior to her new venture, Shauna founded the Interior Design Show, North America's largest design fair, as well as the yoga show and conference and expo for design, innovation, and technology, in addition to being the former president and CEO of Design Exchange in Toronto. During her time at the helm of Design Exchange, she partnered with international organizations, including the UN Development Program, governments, and global brands. She's directed exhibits featuring Canadian and international designers and celebrated personalities, including Farrell Williams, Christian Louboutin, David Suzuki, Bruce Mao, and many more. Within all of her roles, Shauna ensured that a platform was created for emerging Canadian talent. Motivated by her own personal journey with chronic pain and anxiety, as well as for other women she met along the way, Shauna founded Madden Mercer, a premium women's wellness brand. Here is our conversation. Shauna, it's a pleasure having you on The Brand is Female. Thank you so much for making time to speak with me today, especially since we've been trying to get together for a while now. Yeah, thank you so much for thinking of me and and wanting to include me in this. It really does mean a lot. It's absolutely my pleasure, and it's kind of fitting that we're speaking on April 20th, also known as 420. I just realized that this morning, so that's a good omen. Totally. That's so funny. I didn't even think about that myself. (laughs) (laughs) So I I like to start these conversations before we talk about your latest business venture and Mm -hmm. uh, everything that that led you on that journey. Uh, I want to go back and ask you, growing up, what did you think you'd be doing for a career later in life? Gosh, I mean, I think probably if you ask anyone whether they're doing what they thought they would be doing, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's probably extremely unlikely. Um, I, I actually studied uh, African politics in school uh, and um, wanted to pursue development. Mm-hmm. And um, at the same time, um, my father was in, and I'm using air quotes, show business. Uh, he had started uh, the one-of-a-kind show. He did the Festival of Fashion in the 90s. 
And, um, and so eventually I thought, you know what, I, I'm so attracted to show business that I really would like to get into that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that sort of took me on a very different trajectory than, than where I started in university. So tell me about the first few stages of your career, because I think we all have different stages. It's never, yeah. a, you know, a straight line from point A to point B. Um, I mean, I know you from your former life mm-hmm. at the Design Exchange, but mm-hmm. um, how, tell me, you know, about maybe starting your career and, and where that path led you. Sure, sure. So I started working with, um, on the One of a Kind show. And um, which, of course, is Canada's largest, if not North America's largest um, artisan fair. Uh, started out there. And then um, I decided that I was totally in love with Paris and um, quit my job, sold everything. And I moved to Paris without knowing anyone. And again, mm-hmm. um, that was in the day when uh, that was pre-internet, pre-cell phones. <laughs> It was an, an amazing experience that that taught me resilience and taught me strength of character mm-hmm. and Um, and allowed me to live in a city that I was completely head over heels in love with. I came back and um, started to work in the design world. And I think my interest in design was peaked when I was living in Paris. And I mm-hmm. went from uh, a world that was very craft-oriented, given the one of a kind show, and then discovered this world of design when I lived in Paris. And it just blew me away, and I wanted so badly to be a part of it. Um, I worked at Designers Walk in Toronto uh, as, in a marketing director capacity, uh, working with the trade showrooms there. And it was around that time that my father and I um, were sort of hatching the idea of creating a design show. And at the time, it was very much a time when interior design was still under the purview of professional designers and architects and the public didn't really have access to those resources. Mm-hmm. And so um, we hatched the idea to create the interior design show. Uh, we, our first show was in 1999 and um, the response was insane. Um, we just had no idea how popular it would be. And, um, and then from then on, it was just this growth and this amazing trajectory for, for the fair. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was an amazing experience. Um, from there, and I think, you know, and again, when looking back at my career, I feel that uh, for me, it was always around taking something that was part of the uh, zeitgeist or part mm-hmm. of popular culture and yeah. bringing it to a larger audience or right. democratizing it. Mm-hmm. And so from there, I went on to Design Exchange. I was approached to be the CEO. Mm-hmm. So uh, I went in and did that uh, for them. And I brought in and created exhibitions with people like Pharrell Williams, who guest created yeah, a show yeah. on, um, you remember that one? I remember <laughs> on, that one. On um, street artists like Takashi Murakami, uh, Cause, Friends With You. And we even had um, Pharrell lent us pieces from his own personal collection as well, which was pretty incredible. So it was an incredible moment. Um, I also worked with uh, Christian Louboutin, um, who uh, we brought his 20th um, anniversary exhibition from Design Museum London, and it really celebrated the magic behind his brand, the magic behind his design. Mm-hmm. Um, and I developed all kinds of student programs. And then my big project at the end was really uh, partnering with the United Nations um, around the Sustainable Development Goals. And um, we really talked about the role of design in making the world a better place and being really a, a positive force for change. And that, to me, was really where the discussion around design um, had to be. And certainly now, in 2022, we're seeing that. So, um, so I really am excited to actually see that 
that is where design is heading and, and uh, is moving. Um, anyway, from there, I went on to, um, I was approached by one of my board directors who had been one of the co-founders of Tokyo Smoke, which is a cannabis mm-hmm. uh, retail brand. And he asked me to come join him to create a um, experiential lifestyle concept around cannabis. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it was really modeled after uh, consumption lounges. So the idea being um, yeah. to come into a lounge where you could have beautifully made food infused, by, infused with cannabis, um, you know, a mixologist mixing cannabis-based beverages, beautiful music and art and so forth. Um, and then like many of us and for many of us, COVID <laughs> threw a wrench in those yeah. things. <laughs> um, but things happened for a reason. And, and that then led me to uh, Imagine Mercer Modern Apothecary, which I'm doing mm-hmm. today, which I can talk about after. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and that was, uh, you know, you stayed in, in a cannabis space, but mm-hmm. that is your own brand, if I'm not mistaken. And that is a, a departure from, you know, working on somebody else's venture uh, and this time it's really you creating uh, that brand from the ground up. So what mm-hmm. made you want to take that plunge? So that's a good question. <laughs> I ask myself that every morning. No, I'm not joking. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I actually celebrate it every morning. Um, I So I'm 53 and, um, you know, I've been working for what, 25 to 30 years and um, I think something happens to you when you, well, many things <laughs> happen to you after you turn 50. Um, but one of them, I feel, is that you you take stock of what you've accomplished, what you've done, what makes you happy, and um, where you think you can offer the most and where you can make the largest impact to make, um, to make people happier and healthier. And at least that was for me. And, mm-hmm. um, and that was that moment where I said to myself, I, I don't know how much good I can do working for someone else right now versus mm-hmm. creating something that I'm passionate and driven, passionate about and driven about, um, that can, that can really help people and, and, and make people feel better in certain ways. Mm-hmm. So, um, so that was the, that was my sort of initiative or, or the reason why I wanted to do my own thing. Um, the reason why I decided to stay in cannabis though is really a personal story. Um, while I was working at Design Exchange, so about seven or eight years ago now, I developed a chronic pain condition. And um, it was quite debilitating to the point where uh, toward the end, I, would, I basically spent every day lying on my living room floor with a hot water bottle. Wow. And um, yeah, it was pretty intense. And you know, chronic pain is a very lonely, isolating yeah. experience for those of your listeners out there who can relate. Mm-hmm. And I I hope none of them can because it's brutal, but um, it can be quite isolating, especially when you've come from having a very, you know, public life from the perspective of, you know, I was at events every night and, mm-hmm. um, you know, you know, doing public speaking. And, and then all of a sudden I was having to cancel last minute and leave meetings in the middle and, and um, spend a lot of time at home. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and what's interesting, too, is that it really highlighted for me. Uh, what women go through when they're dealing with invisible pain and how challenging it is to get help and to have uh, medical professionals actually um, listen to to you and help you navigate the system. Because it's kind Mm. of like you you see a doctor, they can't help you and you walk out and your answer is now what? And you don't really have a plan forward. And so um, anyway, so I was going through that. And at one point someone had had suggested I try cannabis. 
this was pre um, legalization for recreational uh, cannabis right. use. And yeah. so I went to a medical clinic and um, I was very hesitant and very afraid and didn't want to be high all the time, didn't want to be smelling like cannabis. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I had a job, I have a child, like it, you know, I could not sort of, you know, lie around mm-hmm. doing nothing. Um, and so someone had said, no, well, there's, you know, other cannabinoids. And I was like, what is a cannabinoid? <laughs> and there are other forms that you can take it in. And I was like, well, what do you mean? And so finally um, had a great doctor who helped me navigate it and um, landed on a, an oil that um, was fairly discreet, didn't, you know, I could take it when I needed it and didn't get high from it. But um, I did find that it still smelled a lot like cannabis and it tasted horribly. Mm-hmm. Um, at the time, I met a lot of other women who were also in the same age group, so sort of 40s and up, who were dealing with issues like chronic pain and inflammation, or they were having trouble sleeping. Um, we often call um, those women, we, we call ourselves um, the 3 a.m. club. <laughs> right, so, yes. And, uh, uh-oh, I mean, you can relate to it? <laughs> well, it, it's, it's, it's happened, but unfortunately, yeah, I know a lot of women in that situation too, so. Yeah, yeah, not easy. And, um, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, issues around anxiety and stress. And every time I'd say, well, you should try cannabis. And their response was exactly the same as mine. Um, I don't want to smell mm-hmm. like it. I don't want to be high, et cetera, et cetera. So a lot of stigma, fear, yeah. lack of education and knowledge. Exactly. And I thought, and I thought, yeah, this is there's something going on here. There's something not quite right because here's something that's natural. Um, it has no known side effects currently. Mm-hmm. Um, it can help uh, women quite significantly, and yet they're afraid to try it. They're okay to take their sleeping pills. They're okay yeah, exactly. to drink a bottle of Chardonnay okay. every night. Exactly. <laughs> but, you know, will that have horrible side effects? But yet, yeah. this they're afraid of. So I started to dig deep into that. I brought in Deloitte to do some research. I interviewed a ton of people and finally decided, okay, this is, so there's an opportunity here. And it's something that I'm, as I mentioned earlier, super passionate about. And my feeling was if it's helped me so much, if I can help other women feel better, then my time is well spent. And um, so I went out and um, started to raise some money to um, get it going. This season of The Brand is Female is made possible with the support of TD Women in Enterprise, and they're about confidently building you. As a woman entrepreneur myself, I know I need all the support I can get. It takes sound advice plus guidance to the right connections, tools, and resources. What's great about TD services for women in business is their collaborative approach. TD can facilitate and connect you to workshops, coaching, and mentorship, and they engage other like-minded business leaders in an authentic way so we can share experiences and learn from each other. TD Women in Enterprise has banking specialists who are able to be proactive in the advice and guidance to give to women in business. This episode of The Brand is Female is brought to you by the University of Toronto and Rotman School of Management's one-year executive MBA. With people coming back to the office, now is a great time to deepen your business acumen, leadership, and strategic skills while you continue in your job. To find out more about the 13-month program, sign up for the online Fireside Chat series featuring female graduates on May 12th and June 2nd. Visit the website to learn more about the program and sign up for the chats, rotmanemba.com. That's R-O-T-M-A-N-E-M-B-A.com. And I mean, you 
you know, you kind of build that venture at a time where, you know, there, there were a lot of startups, there still are a lot of startups in the cannabis space, mm-hmm. um, and working on similar things in terms of educating, you know, the, the, you know, the product is, is still recently, has recently been legalized in Canada. So it's still mm-hmm. kind of a new playing field and there's a lot that's, you know, being developed. So did you, did you feel that, um, that was actually helpful in terms of, you know, the space having a lot of brands just starting up? Do you feel that there's competition in this space? And is it that with, you know, cause you're, you're kind of building your brand so that it sets itself apart from other offerings in the same category. Do you feel that, you know, there's enough of a, a unique positioning to make it, uh, to make it relevant and make it be, uh, you know, valued by consumers? Yeah. Excellent question. Um, I looked around at what was out there and I felt that part of the challenge with, um, part of the reason why there was so much stigma. I mean, yes, it was still relatively new, uh, in terms of being legalized, but also I felt that the brands that were currently in the market, um, weren't really speaking to this demographic of women 40 plus. If we look at this demographic, um, we know that there's a high level of education. We know there's a high level of disposable income. We know they're extremely brand loyal, but we also know that they are um, extremely inquisitive. They do a lot mm-hmm. of research. Um, and most of all, they, they're, they're brand loyal if they believe in the story, if they believe that the brand is authentic. And, um, and so I thought yeah. there's no mm-hmm. one that's really, that's really speaking to that. And and, you know, by just painting a box, by, you know, splashing a box with pink and putting some kind of ethereal name on it, to me, does not does not make it a product that is geared or focused on women. Um, mm-hmm. We need to be creating products that, that truly speak to women, literally and figuratively. And so I felt the landscape allowed itself to, um, there was, as I said earlier, some white space in, in the market. Um, and certainly enough precedence in terms of there being enough research to feel that what I was doing had some validity to it. Certainly mm-hmm. there's a tremendous amount more research that needs to be done and that will continue to be done um, given that we can be doing this research now. Um, but I felt that there was enough out there that I could um, use it as a basis for, for my brand. And so, and that was where I started from. I mean, I, I worked with um, or continue to work with an amazing um, doctor who has a PhD in plant science, who's worked on um, tons of great cannabis products as well as pharma products. Um, I have a dermatologist, Dr. Sandy Scott Nicky, um, who's developing my uh, topical products. And then I also have a cannabinoid doctor, Marnie Brooks, who's involved. Um, and then I have a chef. So I feel that I've, like, I've put together a group of people who have the expertise in terms of the formulation piece. And then of course, myself and my team bring the, the, um, the marketing and the positioning and the, the research around where we feel the, the gaps in the market are and what the types of products, uh, we should be focusing on given who our demographic is. Mm-hmm. And what has the feedback been, uh, both in terms of, you know, potential suppliers, investors, if you have any, and mostly what are you hearing from consumers since you're speaking to women directly yeah. and these women who had kind of that first reaction of, no, I don't want to consume weed, yeah. <laughs> but you know, now you're, you're helping educate them. Yeah. So, you know, in terms of investors, um, I'll break down your question into the various areas, but in terms sure. of investors, mm-hmm. 
I, um, I went out and started to raise money immediately. Um, and what's interesting is, um, I would say 65, maybe even 70% of my investors are women. Um, and they are all in that 40 plus uh, age group. And so when I presented the concept to them, it was really like their faces lit up because they were like, you're talking to me, that's me. Mm-hmm. And so, mm-hmm. and so that was really an incredible moment to, to learn that. Okay. So that was, to me, was a good litmus test in terms of, um, seeing that there was potential interest out there. And then, um, in terms of, uh, retailers, we, you know, we decided very early on that not all retailers were our customers. Um, there are over 1200 stores in Ontario and currently our products are being sold in Ontario as well as in Alberta. And in Alberta, there's, I believe there are about 700 stores currently. And, um, not all stores are for all people. And so not all stores are for all products. And so mm-hmm. we really focus on stores that have um, their own um, concentration or focus on wellness. And so earlier in the conversation, we briefly talked about 420. And what's interesting is 420 to us is, I mean, it's fun and it's a cool thing, but we really position ourselves as a wellness brand first and a cannabis yeah. brand second. So the fact that we're using cannabis is because we believe it's a really important vital ingredient. It doesn't mean that we won't be using other types of ingredients, uh, alternative ingredients moving forward. Um, And so um, in terms of the retailers we work with, we really look for retailers that that have that interest and that passion for the wellness side of of the industry. It's kind of crazy because in one store you can have super high THC, um, recreational, um, product or flower. And then on the other extreme, you could have, you know, our facial serum. (laughs) So it's, you know, so it's really interesting that way, but I do believe that, that, that will grow and that will start to see, and we're already starting to actually see the beginning of the, um, of the, uh, segmentation of the market in terms of having stores that specialize in CBD or wellness and those that specialize in other aspects of the industry. So the retail response has been very positive, and most of all, the public has been, or our women have been um, super excited about our product. And we find, for example, one of our products is a lemongrass ginger oil that was in response to my experience and the research I did with the fact that women who are using cannabis oil, or cannabis period, don't like the taste for their wellness products. Mm. Mm-hmm. And so we worked with Chef Ted Corrado, and we have a really beautiful tasting lemongrass ginger oil made with natural extracts. And um, once someone tastes our oil, they never go back to any other mm-hmm. oil. Mm-hmm. So, so that was really important to us. And um, so that product does really well. We have a CBD disposable vape that is really a beautiful design item. Again, sort of going back to my experience in the design world, it's very design forward. It looks great, you know, on your bedside table or thrown into your handbag or cosmetic bag. Almost looks like a cosmetic itself. So we, um, we really wanted to ensure that our products were really, again, really spoke to them. And, and, and in response, that's what we're getting. They're telling us that they, these are products designed for them and they very much are seeing that, seeing their, these products be integrated into their wellness strategies and their self-care uh, habits. Mm. Well, one question I like to ask uh, entrepreneurs and, and 
uh, female founders in general is what is part of your wellness routine? So you've talked about, you know, cannabis helping with your chronic pain condition. Mm -hmm. Uh, What else have you found? And and now that you're a busy entrepreneur, I'm sure you were always very busy (laughs) with your roles, but you know, what's, what's part of your routine that you can't live without and what keeps you, what keeps you sane, what keeps you grounded? Because we Mm -hmm. all know work-life balance is kind of a, a myth, but exactly. you know, there, there are things keep helping to keep us together. So I'd love to know what else is on that list for you. Um, it's so true. It is a myth. Um, I, so I, yeah, I, of course I do use this, our CBD products, which do help me a lot um, in terms of, you know, living with chronic pain and having major anxiety around that. Um, it does quite help me. They, my products do help me quite a bit. Um, you know, I spent many years, um, doing yoga. I had a show actually called the yoga show and conference many years ago. Um, and, um, so I did yoga for a long time and what I took away from that was really the breath work. And so, um, I integrate breath work into my everyday and I find, especially if I've had, um, some CBD product and once it's gone through my system, um, it allows you, it slows you down or allows you that space to have clarity in your head and then really be able to focus on your breath work. And so we have two dogs. I, I walk the dogs and I, and I focus on my breath work. And that to me is so valuable. And it's a tool that you can pull on wherever you are. Like you're sitting on a plane, you're sitting in your office, you're, you know, wherever you are, you can pull on breath work to, to calm you and to balance you. And so that to me, those are my two go-tos wherever I am, whatever I'm doing. Um, you know, certainly, you know, we, we talk about eating well and exercise and I incorporate all of that. I'm a vegetarian. I, um, I work out frequently, but certainly the two I mentioned are really my, I can't live without. Mm. And, you know, now that you are an entrepreneur at the helm of your business, what's, what's your definition of success? And I mean, I, I draw a link with you only your own business, but it's also, you know, after all the changes you've gone through and also your health journey. So has Mm -hmm. your definition of success changed in the past few years? If I had asked you the same question, maybe five years ago. Certainly. Um, I think that, yeah, certainly my own personal condition, um, has impacted that. And certainly COVID, the pandemic, Certainly, um, the war in Ukraine. Um, I also um, have a parent that went through a kidney transplant this year at the age of 78. So, oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> so I've had a lot of stuff that really have shaken me. And again, going back to age, I find like when you hit your 50s, so much is being thrown at you. We talk about the sandwich generation and being pulled between parents and, and children. And certainly I'm feeling that. Um, but it's really, and you know, and you mentioned the myth of work-life balance. But it's really about being able to deal with all those things. I, I would say that I was much more self-driven uh, in the past. And now I think I um, I really do uh, carve out the time that I need to carve out um, when I need to. Um, so success to me is being able to do something that I love, that I'm passionate about, mm-hmm. that is helping other people. And at the same time, being there, being there, being there, whether it's for myself, being there for the people around me. Um mm-hmm. So that to me is, I think, really where I would, you know, that would be the bullseye for success. Am I there yet? No. <laughs> but, but, you know, it's a work in progress for sure. And, um, but I think that's really where I'm going. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, 
I learned so many things in the last few years and, um, you know, my, my life view has really definitely changed. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And a question I I love asking, uh, women on the show too, is what's your definition of leadership? Oh, that's such a tough one. Um, and again, have learned so much over the years, um, about that. Um, so I have a, a very small team of, um, we're about six right now. Um, we're all women except for one man. Um, and the age group, the age range is, uh, I have several in their twenties, several women in their twenties, and then, um, a couple, a little older than that. Mm-hmm. And, um, what I, what I find is that, um, to me to be able to work with women who are at that age and at that stage in their career is super exciting because I remember being that age and I was very fortunate because I had, I had a mentor, um, but not all women do. And, um, I really pride myself on, this sounds very cliche, but having an open door policy in a virtual environment, (laughs) um, where, Mm -hmm. you know, where I'm available all the time for my team. And I think leadership goes two ways. Um, I always, um, you know, the last, I'd say the last 10, 15 years of my career, I've really, felt that I benefit from learning from my team. And so I feel like it's a leadership is really a two-way conversation mm-hmm. where um, I'm providing them with what they need to grow and evolve and, and excel and flourish. And they're providing me with what I need to, to stay relevant and, and to, um, and to stay um, grounded and to, and to stay grounded. And so I, I believe it's a two-way, a two-way relationship. And um And, you know, I I also learned early on in my career that um, not everyone is going to be your friend and not, and you're not really Mm -hmm. there to be a friend and and not everyone is going to like you. I mean, you want your team to like you, but at the end of the day, you have to make decisions that are in the best interest of the business. And, um, and, and that has to remain your focus. Now, um, again, keeping in mind that we're all humans and, you know, we always have to ensure that we're thinking about that at the same time. So it's, it's, it's a balancing act. It's a two way, it's a two way relationship. Mm -hmm. It's, um, it's, uh, it can be as rewarding as it can be, um, difficult. It's, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's, uh, it's a tough one. (laughs) Yeah, no, definitely. And those are, those are important lessons. Um, and in closing my, probably my favorite question to ask guests on the show, what's one thing you wish women would do more of and one thing you'd like them to do less of? Oh gosh. Like, you know, I think that women as women, we have, listen, like we all know women and men are different period. And Mm so, um, you know, we, you know, people talk about the, um, imposter syndrome. We talk about, um, you know, we talk about, you know, how we're always apologizing for our behavior and, you know, there's some, you know, stereotypical things that, that women do. And, and I just think, you know, and that, you know, we, we have these, I guess, you know, soft skills or we have this, um, uh, you know, we have this great dose of EQ and I feel like we need to use that more and, and we need to use mm. our empathy and our soft skills in a strategic way. I mean, you know, using that, using that to understand how people, how people work, how they, uh, think. Um, I remember meeting someone who was an amazing salesperson and I, and I found out that his background was actually in social work. And I thought that is brilliant because he understands how to work with people and how to understand people. And I think that that's something that women have uh, an upper hand on. And I think we can be using that 
uh, more and more. Um, so I would say, you know, and then, as I said earlier, less apologizing. <laughs> mm-hmm. We don't need mm-hmm. to apologizing. And then the final thing I'll mention is, again, um, well, I've been speaking a lot about this, but um, as we get older, as I've gotten older, I also see a difference in women in terms of how they relate to one another and find that as we get older, you see less competition among women and you see more um, more camaraderie and more sisterhood mm-hmm. and more working together. And I just wish, and maybe it's different now than when I was in my 20s, but certainly, you know, in my 20s, that, that was definitely an issue. Um, and maybe that was because there were less positions and less opportunities for women. So it was more competitive to get that one position that was open to a woman. Um, but my hope is that today... Um, with more opportunities, um, we can start to see more women working together and supporting one another um, and, and less competition. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I, I mean, that's that's great advice, and I share that uh, that wish for women everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> and Sean, it was a pleasure catching up with you, hearing about your new business. We'll we'll link up uh, all your accounts and website. And best thank of luck you. with what's coming next. And thank you so thank much you. for making time to speak with me today. Thank you so, so much. It was really great to speak with you again, Eva. And um, again, congratulations on all that you've achieved with the brand as female. I think you've definitely addressed a gap in the market yourself and um, can't wait to send this out and uh, promote what you're doing to uh, my community as well. Thank you so much. I really hope you enjoyed today's conversation. And if you did, as always, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and give us a review wherever that is possible. Thank you to TD Women in Enterprise for their support of The Brand is Female. You've got it in you to succeed. Let TD help guide you. Visit thebrandisfemale.com slash podcast and click on the TD logo. Thank you so much for listening to a podcast by The Brand is Female. I'm Ava Hartling, and this episode was produced by our team. Sound engineering by Isabel Morris. Research and production support, Claire Miglionico. Marketing and digital growth, Kayla Gillis. And partnerships, Natalie Hope. Yeah.